Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the trees and the fog of the Pacific Northwest. There are lurking wraiths that ride the winds in our little corner of the world. So, I must warn you, listener discretion is advised.
Tom was off again, off in the fields or in the woods. Perhaps he was down by the river or up on Heaven Hill. When he was younger, he used to love playing in old man Alfie's fields, used to love to squash the pumpkins underfoot. Never until November 1st, though. That was the unspoken rule. Before November 1st, old man Alfie would be out in his field pitchfork in hand, and he'd even wave it about in his earlier years before the arthritis had set into his joints. His hip. His shoulders. Even scratching his nose made his fingers go numb and tingle and his bulbous and swollen joints ache like a rotten tooth. No matter anyways, because Tom wouldn't be there. It was past the first frost and there were no pumpkins laying waiting to rot in those fields. They'd long since turned to stinking jelly beat into the earth by the elements. The rain, the snow, the wind, the insects. In the later months of winter, all those fields held were mud, and in the earliest hours of morning, frost. There was no reason to play there, not out that far, not when there were so many places to run and jump and hide that were much closer. The fort, quiet, muddy, stinking, terrible little place that it was, well, it could be a great place to grow up, especially with friends to get into trouble with. And Tom had met a new friend, she wasn't sure how, or where. She didn't know the boy's name either. She hadn't asked. She didn't want to know. She'd only seen his red hair bobbing up the road leading up to the LaPont family home, obscured behind the trees and the bush. Then Tom's nimble feet, padding down the staircase. He thought she couldn't hear him, that he could fool her and go unseen, unheard, and she had always been happy to let that be his reality, to let him have that little wind, to let him bound off smiling. He hadn't smiled in so long. As Tom shut the front door behind him, she could hear him outside laughing. Unable to stop herself, she stole a peek through the window at her son, through the drawn, stained, yellowed curtains. It was the first time in a long time that Mildred had seen her son happy. <sighs> she didn't want him being happy. To see him happy caused her such gut-wrenching pain. It reached down to the root of her soul and tugged at it, shaking the dry, fallow earth loose before whacking it against her insides. To see him happy made the clouds darker. The night longer to see him happy dimmed the sun, polluted the waters. To see him happy made everything to come so much worse. So much worse that it brought tears to her eyes and a conflicting whirlpool of emotions that knotted her throat and clenched her jaw. Peggy had taken to following Tom out and about as he did what boys do and embarked on adventures as long as the day was bright, mimicking the way he used to move about, thinking he was unheard and unseen following his brother Ben or her husband, and 
Tom's deceased father, Mark. He just wanted to be included, but didn't always feel comfortable inviting himself along. And now Peggy, who not so long ago was mute and shy and unwilling to step beyond the shadow of her mother, now she was watching Peggy, braver than the boys, running and jumping through the woods, ducking and diving between trees and crawling through ditches covered in mud. Mildred, sitting in her chair, half shrouded in the dim shadow of the living room with its thick, drawn curtains, watched Peggy, less practiced than Tom but lighter and more agile, slink down the staircase and out in pursuit of her older brother's trail. (laughs) Mildred chuckled. The rust in her cheeks rubbed against the bones in her face and they ached as she forgot herself for a moment. She relaxed her lips and forced them back down into their usual dour angles. She didn't want Peggy to be brave. She wanted Peggy to be afraid, to feel that ever-present chill up her spine, to feel the staring shadow, the overwhelming call of the void. The fact she'd grown brave made everything worse. Peggy becoming brave and bold, felt like a file on the edge of her teeth. Peggy becoming brave made Mildred feel like her nails were being pulled out from the beds, made her eyes sting with tears, made her want to rip her hair out. Peggy growing up and facing her fears made everything to come so much worse. Being a mother was hard. Mildred thought to herself, protect them, feed them, nurture them, watch them grow, watch them learn, watch them go, see them age, see them love, see them thrive, witness their hate, witness their despair, witness their, their death. But she wasn't really a mother, was she? She could have been a mother. Seen her face in her little ones, heard her voice in her little ones. Known what it truly was to give birth and give life and foster that life. She could have had it all. And it should have been that simple. She and Mark, in love, married, they should have had children. Raised them, fought for them, fought over them, made up and made more tiny Mildreds and Marks. Their small toes running along the floorboards of their home, their sticky honey and dirt-covered hands smearing the walls in the summer, buttoned them up in the fall, heated their socks by the fire in the winter, and cleaned the grass stains from their clothes in the spring. She should have had that. That should have been hers. She should have had the joy of true motherhood. They weren't her children. Deep down, she feared what they were. What they could do. What they would become. And who they would hurt. But in all those little moments of resentment, of unwanted responsibility of the burdens named Ben, Peggy, Tom, and now William... She had found a faint glimmer of 
of novelty at first. Yes, novelty. Amusement in the way their tiny toes crinkled as babies at the taste of sour things. Amusement when those children fell as they grew, unfamiliar with the length of their bones. It was so cute when they jumped up, embarrassed, cheeks flushed. She even found amusement in entertaining their little games. Peggy's whispers, Tom's perpetual game of hide-and-seek. Ben, well, she didn't want to think about Ben. And William had no games yet, but he would. It was in the space between those moments of giggles and hidden smiles that she'd actually begun to like her children's quirks. And by that point, yes, she'd grown to accept them as her children. Not children made by her, but they were hers. When Mildred did learn to appreciate the quirks and nuances of her charges, she found love in that acceptance. But by loving them, she soon came to resent them once again. Because Ben, Peggy, Tom, and William would all die. She sat there relishing for a moment in the quiet, thinking about what could have been and should have been, thinking about what she deserved and all the bad turns life had thrown her way. Mildred closed her eyes and leaned forward, putting her elbows on her knees and running her fingers through her oily, unkempt hair. She rose out of the chair, wearing pants and a rough, worn-in cotton button-up shirt, Mark's old work shirt. Her bones creaked under the bends and folds of her clothing, her tendons strained, brittle, and unforgiving. It wouldn't be long now. The hairs on her arms stood on end at the thought of the coming of what had been promised to her in her youth. That had seemed so far away at the time, but but life had passed by in a blink. It had moved swiftly beneath her, behind her. It moved quick and unending, darting all around Mildred as she waited for it to happen. And as she waited, life had seemingly passed her by. Lazily walking through the kitchen, Mildred stood at the back window, staring out into the fields. She could still see Tom if she squinted her eyes, and his new red-headed friend, making their way in chaotic lines, running at one another and bouncing off of each other with make-believe stick swords in hand as they ran and skipped further from home. And fifty yards behind them was Peggy, running and ducking and dropping low in the tall dead grass overly cautious. Tom wouldn't look back behind him, and if Peggy didn't catch up, she might lose them near the creek. That creek ran through the woods that bordered their property and drained into the river a couple kilometers away. If she didn't follow more closely, she might not see where the boys crossed or she might forget where the thick stones that stuck out of the water lay, half hidden in dead leaves and broken branches floating and building flimsy dams in that creek. 
Spastically, Mildred slammed the palm of her hand into the side of her head. You don't care. You can't care. Not for Tom. Not for Peggy. Worry about yourself. Worry about William. But she cared very much for Tom and Peggy. She longed to be the mother they knew. And she was afraid of William. Although he was just a baby, she should have been feeding him by then. Instead of longingly staring at her children drifting away through a sea of dead fields... On cue, William began to cry, demanding his mother Mildred his caretaker. His wails rattled the floorboards from his nest in the floor of the pantry, nestled in the dirt, kept company and warm by the swarm of spiders his small baby hands with their paper-thin nails conducted musically and with innate knowledge. She walked with unease in her shoulders towards the pantry, Her hand rose to pull open the pantry door, resting on the handle. It was cool in her hand, and smooth. There was that tricky sharp bit where the metal had been nicked at some point in its life. It had been free, off an old discarded half-rotten door, and after learning the lesson of being cautious about that nick once or twice, no one in the house ever cut themselves. she didn't want to open the door. The walls of the home watched as she stood motionless just holding the door handle. Eyes closed. Head lowered. Defeated. Working up the courage to give in. All the while, William continued to wail. Tom and Peggy were still on her mind. They were different than William. They were happy and good. They had barely cried as babies, only cooing softly throughout the day, content and pleasant. William screamed and bit. He chomped and demanded. She didn't feel like his caretaker or his protector. She was a resource to William. She was replaceable. He was only a baby, but his eyes held an old soul. She'd seen it the first time she held him. Far out past the official boundaries of the fort, in the old witch elm grove, where her mother would go to convene with nature, where her sisters and her had planted their sanctuary. It was where the other children had been as well, seemingly left there for her by fate or some old unknown thing. But it was neither. It was only Mother Cyprian. It had been a part of their arrangement. Why the Witch Elm Grove? It cleansed the children, pulled those black bits from their heart, dulled their teeth, and straightened their backs. Mildred didn't know how long those children lay on their backs staring up at the gnarled branches above them before she would get her summons from Mother Cyprian. She didn't care. She couldn't have children. She'd given that up. She'd 
made a choice and paid the price, but this was her way to be a mother. It was odd. It was uncomfortable. Mildred didn't know where the children came from. She didn't know who would be missing them. She just knew Mother Cyprian lay them there for her. That they were sick, and that particular grove of trees were special. It fed on those dark parts of the children, and then, after she would love them, and by loving them, make their souls, their meat, their limbs and teeth salted soil for dark seeds to grow. That's what Mother Cyprian had told her, and that's why William sat beneath the floorboards, to connect them to the earth, to draw whatever black bits might still be left in him. It's what Mother Cyprian had suggested, and Mother Cyprian had always been kind and pleasant and caring towards Mildred. William was different, though. Rotten, malformed, but impossibly beautiful. He looked like a small cherub angel. That was his bait that he dangled in his web. When Mildred held him, she couldn't see any dark or twisted parts. William was the dark and twisted parts, as if all those sooty flecks of shattered beasts leached from Ben and Tom and Peggy had soaked into the earth. And from those coagulating shattered bits had come William... She didn't know how any of that worked, though. She'd avoided it her whole life, ignoring her mother's lessons and words of wisdom, laughing when Mother Cyprian had tried to take her in and under her wing, when her shadow pulled at her heels only to smile when she turned to greet it. Mildred pretended she couldn't see. When Albert had offered her advice, she'd called him jealous and perverted, spitting in his face. She had avoided it her whole life, whatever it was. Evil, the void, pure nothing, the culmination of all the negative space in the world where there was absolute absence of life. She avoided it all. And now, as she pressed her finger hard into the sharp metal bit that jutted from the underside of the handle tearing open the pad of her index finger and finally opening the door to feed William. She wished she hadn't. Today's episode was written and performed by Cole Weavers. Sound production and editing by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. The fort is built on secrets and shadows, on unspoken truths and the designs of the long shadows, whoever they may be. But it's also built on the support of its townsfolk. Would you like to support our tiny little monstrosity of a town by mending the roof of the church? Or keeping the doors of the sanatorium for the lost and unwanted open? Or perhaps you'd rather help build a mausoleum for the ones who will never die. 
In thanks for your support, and for only a few dollars a month, you'll receive episodes of The Town Whispers released early and forever ad-free, as well as exclusive short stories and one-shots to expand your knowledge of what lays dormant and watching under the earth. Would you like to see, with your own frail eyes that can only see what can be imagined by the goodness of a heart drenched in humanity by receiving digital rewards of the visual variety? All this and more will be revealed on our Patreon. Please consider joining us at www.patreon.com slash thetownwhispers. If you would like to support us in other ways, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at The Town Whispers, or by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on the show, please head on over to www.thetownwhispers.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.